Hi, everybody. Welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about the financial tightrope everyone is walking. Googling the term financial tightrope brings a surprising number of results, and they are quite varied. It would be fair to say that most of us are, or believe we are, walking a financial tightrope at all times. This is a common theme in financial journalism. To give you an idea how prevalent this is, financialplanning.com posted an article about 19 people who will change wealth management in 2019, including this bit about Jay Powell, Fed chairman. Since being nominated in February 2018 to be the Fed chairman, Jay Powell has been on the receiving end of a parade of barbs from the White House. Indeed, the president has ramped up public pressure on the Fed far more than previous administrations. Powell was able to walk a tightrope through the summer and fall, but then volatility and the stock market turned into freefall as the year drew to a close. As of December 19th, all major U.S. stock indexes were down for the year, putting even more of a spotlight on interest rate decisions. Hmm. Market Watch posted an article in January of 2015 stating 70% of American families walk a financial tightrope. This is somewhat dated and skewed by Pew, but the Great Recession may be officially over, but American families' finances have not recovered. The majority of American households, 70%, face financial strains on income, expenditure, and or wealth, while 55% of families are savings limited, meaning they can replace less than one month of their income through liquid savings, according to the Precarious State of Family Finances, a report released, this is in 2015, by the Pew Charitable Trusts, an independent nonprofit group in Philadelphia. And while employment earnings grew 22% for the typical worker between 1979 and 1999, Hmm. It's changed little in the past decade, and between 2010 and 2013, stock ownership fell for all but the top 10% of earners. Our analysis finds that many American families, even those with relatively high incomes, are walking a financial tightrope, says Aaron Currier, director of Pew's Financial Security and Mobility Project. Most have little, if any, cushion to absorb an unexpected financial setback. It's a precarious state that threatens not just financial security, but upward mobility. Despite household spending falling back to levels not seen since 1990, fewer than half of American families still report being income constrained, which means they reported household spending greater than or equal to their monthly income. Debt is also a growing problem. Now remember, this is 2015. Some 8% of households are debt-challenged, facing monthly payments equal to 41% or more of their gross income, Pew found. And the percentage of households with problematic debt levels, typically measured as greater than 40% of their gross monthly income, hit 9.2% in 2013, that was six years ago, for households headed by people 55 or older, up from 8.5% in 2010 according to a separate report from the nonpartisan Employee Benefit Research Institute. 
their debt levels reached 65.4% of gross monthly income in 2013, up from 63% in 2010 and 54% two decades ago. Wow. And that's six years ago. There's an article in military.com, which uh, apparently serves the U.S. Armed Forces and their families. From May of 2017, living paycheck to paycheck is stressful. The concept brings to mind a tightrope walker wobbling on the high wire. Unfortunately, it's a reality for many Americans. A USAA study in 2016 revealed a third of their members were walking that tightrope. Are you? Whether you're making 30000 or 300000 it's easy to fall into the trap of living paycheck to paycheck. And the scary thing is you may not even realize it. And there's a whole load of signs that they point to about financial difficulty and that tightrope. You've got no cushion. Forget having that ideal three to six months worth of expenses in a savings account. You don't even have a few hundred dollars to spare for an emergency. Sign, there's more months than money. If you find yourself glancing at the calendar daily, trying to will the next payday to get here sooner, you might have a budgeting problem. Sign, you're living too much in the moment. If all of your income, and then some, is dedicated to surviving, or maybe even putting on the appearance of thriving in the here and now, you could be in some trouble. And I think that's a much more prevalent issue than people want to realize or admit. Sign, the hamster wheel is turning fast. Sign, if the idea of a solid night's sleep is a distant memory held off by a constant ka-ching of your internal cash register reconciling expenses, income, and money challenges, it's probably a high wire sign. Sign, tempers are flaring. If you and your significant other avoid money conversations because they erupt into arguments, you may be stretched too thin. Without open communications about spending, you can forget having shared long-term financial goals, getting on the same page, or celebrating your joint financial achievements. Sign, you're keeping secrets. Money is a team game, and being part of a team is engaging in full and fair disclosure. If you're hiding bills or other financial details from your partner, it's likely because you're walking the wire. If everything were okay, you wouldn't hide it, right? Sign, you're leaving money on the table. If your day-to-day -day cash shortages lead you to turn your back on an employer's offer of matching contributions to your retirement, you're clearly pulling a high-wire balancing act. In each of these cases, the way down from the high wire requires a commitment to change. Your financial revolution begins with an honest assessment of where you stand and the dedication to move forward. Fair enough. Brian Anderson wrote on insuranceforums.com, Millennials, walking financial tightrope without safety net of life insurance. A new survey unveiled that InsureTech Connect in Las Vegas finds millennial families are not buying life insurance at nearly the pace of previous generations. The survey by SE2, a technology and third-party administration company focused on the North American life and annuity insurance industry, indicates that heavy financial burdens and deep confusion about financial planning choices are two of the primary causes. The result is that more families find themselves at risk of financial collapse. A survey of 1,032 millennial families commissioned by SE2 reveals 65% of millennial families think about their financial futures daily. Only 43 have purchased life insurance, even though 78% said their parents have it. 
23% of the respondents said they would be forced to file bankruptcy if their family's primary breadwinner died. An additional 37% said that death would cause their family financial hardship. Now, this is also from the article. Millennial families are under a lot of pressure. They face more student loan debt and other financial obligations than previous generations, said Vinod Katru, CIO of SC2. They also face a more complex and confusing set of financial planning choices with the disposable income they do have. That can lead to a kind of paralysis where millennials worry for the futures but don't take the actions necessary to secure greater peace of mind. Student loan debt and other financial burdens weigh heavily. When millennial families were asked their primary factors in the decision not to purchase life insurance, less than 10% said they were simply uninterested in insurance or did not see its value. In fact, 56% said they want to buy insurance in the future. For most, debt and other financial concerns were the biggest reasons for deferring the decision. Specific reasons cited for not purchasing insurance include student loan debt, 30% of respondents, saving for a home, 29%, mortgage payments, 19%, couldn't afford life insurance, 30%. A complex set of choices and lack of financial education create paralysis. Beyond competing financial considerations, millennial families also face a complex set of financial planning choices, which can lead to confusion and paralysis in decision-making. A limited understanding of life insurance was evident throughout the entire survey results. 46% of respondents said they would be more likely to purchase life insurance if they were more knowledgeable about it. 23% said that life insurance was for older people. 18% complained that life insurance was too difficult to obtain. 10% said they did not know how to acquire life insurance. Ultimately, this study is encouraging because it tells us that millennial families do value insurance. Well, it, it ends with a quote that says, it falls upon the insurance industry to meet millennials where they are by creating product tools and processes that connect with how they live and buy financial products today. The nationwide survey conducted in 2018 surveyed 1,032 Millennial families. Millennial families were defined as multi-person households with either a spouse, living partner, or children. Participants were ages 22 to 37. Now, this is the uh, part that gets me. An article in Forbes by David Ray, a gay financial planner, entitled From Pride to Fabulous, LGBT Financial Priorities, was about personal finance and gay people's financial priorities. It should come as no surprise that the LGBT community puts more emphasis on discretionary spending versus savings. According to a survey, LGBT people are more likely to report bad spending habits. It is a bit of a heteronormative attitude to think financial planning is the same regardless of sexual orientation. Members of the LGBT community have different thoughts and attitudes about money compared to the heterosexual community. While there are a variety of opinions when it comes to money and finances, homophobia, equal rights, and taxes all play a central role to the LGBTQ plus attitudes about finances. We are not all born fabulously wealthy. While many in the community do extremely well for themselves, a large number struggle for the basic things like housing and food. We do have many advantages as a community, but we also suffer many additional challenges. 
Wherever you stand personally, it is important to be proactive and take steps to make smarter financial decisions. Experian conducted this survey for Forbes. It was an LGBTQ finances survey. It was conducted in May of 2018. It should come as no surprise that the LGBT community puts more emphasis on discretionary spending versus savings, according to the survey. Paying credit card debt also ranked higher than saving. This kind of makes sense when you think about many of the stereotypes of the LGBT community and its large spending power. We make discretionary spending a priority. Entertainment, dining out, and travel are a staple for many in the LGBT community. The discrepancy is more pronounced when you specifically break out the gay men. This group prioritized travel 11% more than the general population. This is odd. Surprisingly, we prioritize spending on clothing 8% less than the general population. With all that travel, one might expect more money being spent for clothing. 62% of the LGBT community have experienced financial challenges based on sexual orientation. Other frustrating statistics revealed in the survey include 13% of respondents reported harassment in the workplace and 12% reported being less likely to get a specific job or promotion. In addition to survey results, marriage inequality has cost some couples financially. Higher taxes and not taking the typical steps that a legally married couple would normally take to achieve financial security are two big reasons. Fear of discrimination pushed many in the community to live in specific parts of the country or even specific parts of a city. This can greatly increase the average cost of living. The survey didn't address those kicked out of their childhood homes or whose parents contributed less to college than they might have a straight child. These factors can indirectly hurt career opportunities for LGBTQ students and add to the burden of student loan debt. Members of the LGBT community are also less likely to seek out professional financial planning advice. And when it comes to LGBTQ credit card usage, it appears our community loves credit cards. 55% of respondents reported using a credit card to build up rewards or miles. For the most part, the younger the respondent, the more likely he or she would be using a credit card to establish credit worthiness. This also falls in line with the desire to increase credit limits. Credit card usage and motivation don't diverge much between the LGBT and heterosexual communities. As regards to savers versus spenders, 52% of respondents would describe themselves as savers. Conversely, 29% identified as spenders. A deeper dive revealed negative financial attitudes are more prevalent in the LGBT community when compared to the heterosexual community. We are less likely to care about our credit scores. We feel less in control of our finances, and there are less of us who are contributing to our retirement accounts. Additionally, LGBTQ people are more likely to report bad spending habits. We are also more likely to struggle to maintain good saving habits. However, there is some good news. As we age, many in our community improve in those areas. As previously mentioned, LGBTQ respondents reported feeling less in control of their finances. That number was 44% for LGBTQ respondents aged 25 to 34. However, 75% of respondents who were 65 plus felt they had control of their financial situation. As a group, LGBTQ people are more likely to struggle earlier in their adult lives. We've seen large numbers of LGBTQ youth thrown out of their homes or become estranged from their families. 
Situations such as these can increase the challenges of keeping your finances together in your earlier years. While they can also lead to problems later in life, they are more likely to be pronounced earlier in life. The biggest financial concern for LGBT community across all ages is saving for retirement. The youngest group, 25 to 34, is most concerned with paying off debt, while the oldest group, 65 and older, is most concerned with having money left over at month end after paying bills. And he ends the article by saying, while overspending is never a good thing, at least the respondents are aware of the areas they are likely overspending. Again, these include dining out, traveling, etc. So, if everyone is either walking that tightrope or concerned about it, we cannot possibly be doing as well as a number of factions would like to have us believe. We are all eternal optimists, at least when it comes to our own personal situations. At least I would like to think so, even though that may not be the most objective or helpful point of view to hold for our personal and financial well-being. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out. Thank you.